0: for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Thursday, August 8th, 2015. Alright, this is going to be an interesting program. This is going to be in line with the programs we've done on the NAR. But this is, if you would, a subset of that group of programs that we did. Information that the body of Christ really needs to take a, a moment and get to understand. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time to put God's Word back into context, to test to see if what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, uh, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, apostles, and apostolettes, yeah, to see if what they're saying actually squares with what God's Word says or if they're uh, teaching for shameful gain the things that they really ought not to be teaching. In other words, twisting God's Word and really making a mess of things uh, all in the name of, uh, well, you know, forwarding the kingdom and things like that. But um, unfortunately, those folks and those put forward by the evangelical industrial complex, uh, over and again, when we do the testing work to see if what they're saying squares with Scripture, we find that it doesn't. And as a result of it, you know, this is a discerning work to warn you, to help warn others, and uh, not because Christianity isn't true, Christianity is true, but because what these people are putting forward is not Christianity. In fact, it, I mean, none of the stuff that we're hearing from so many of these people is historic, biblical, orthodox Christian doctrine and ideas uh, that you can find in Scripture. No, these are the uh, the machinations and innovations of their Creative minds or worse, these are doctrines of demons. Now, I want you to think back with me to the year 2008. In the year 2008, uh, one of the things we covered early on at Fighting for the Faith was the Lakeland Revival. At least that's what it was called. With uh, Todd Bentley uh, and many people referred to him at the time as Bam Bam, you know, because you know he was claiming that you know he can heal and he would heal people and go Bam, you know, and uh, claim that God told him to you know kick a old woman in the face with her biker boot and she was going to be killed, uh, ki- not killed, but cured of cancer from that. <laughs> you think you know get kicked, you know, old lady getting kicked in the face with a biker boot? And yeah, we chronicle a lot of this in the uh, uh, you know first year of uh, fighting for the faith. And one of the questions that uh, you know people had at the time is why so many Christians fell for uh, Todd Bentley. Of course, the whole Lakeland revival blew up as a result of an affair that um, Todd Bentley had with his uh, babysitter, who eventually she became his wife. And uh, and then you think you know he disappeared for a little bit of time, and then uh, Rick Joyner of Morning Star Ministries. You know, took the time to restore him to ministry, and uh, and so he's uh, re unleashed the, the the disease, the Ebola virus that is Todd Bentley back onto the body of Christ. And again, the question is, why were so many charismatics falling for this guy who was so blatantly blasphemous, so ridiculous in in you know his approach and his teachings and I mean, it was just so phony. It was uh, like not even funny. Why were so many people falling for that? Well, um, with a little bit of help from some uh, discernment friends who've kind of helped me with the research on this, I would like to put forward a a hypothesis. Having problems getting my words out today. And the hypothesis is this, is that the reason why, or at least one of the reasons why, Todd Bentley was embraced and why his nonsense was, you know, radically embraced by so many people in the charismatic and pentecostal movements has to do with a, a series of prophecies uh, in the years leading up to 2008. And so we're going to go back in time. This is we're going to do a little time travel if you would, and we're going to take a look at a Rick Joyner prophecy regarding the so-called new breed. And uh, so we're going to do some new breed work today. Take a look at what was taught regarding the so-called new breed. Uh, this will include a prophecy from Rick Joyner. It will include Matt Sorger and um, and Patricia King. We'll also hear from Bob Jones today. But one of the things that we're also going to do is look at kind of the fallout that occurred as a result of this new breed prophecy within the charismatic movement. And part of this is uh, wrapped up in the idea that along with the new breed prophecy there was a prophecy regarding a pending or you know a you know a civil war that was supposed to break out in christianity so today's going to be all about the new breed and the so-called civil war in christianity between the uh, the the blue and the gray and uh, so that will be the emphasis of our entire program today. So I recommend that you make yourself comfortable. You might want to take notes even. I mean, it's, it's kind of that kind of program. But since we're going to begin by going back in time into the uh, year 2004, we have to employ the uh, pirate Christian radio DeLorean. Yeah, we use the um, the DeLorean rather than the TARDIS for all of our time travel needs. And here we go. i got the flex capacitor open. I need to take a look at the time circuits. All right, we're going to be going to the year 2004. And first, no, no, sorry, last quarter of 2004. And there we go, we got that. We got to get our current date taken care of here. All right, there, that's in. And, and last set of calculations. There we go. All right, time circuits are uh, are ready to roll, so let's go ahead and get up to 88 miles an hour as we travel back to the last quarter of the year 2004. Here we go. Got to work on that re-entry here. Right, let me turn off the plutonium alarm. Hang on. Yeah, there we go. So here we are in the uh, late part of the year 2004, and we're going to be reading from Rick Joyner's uh, Morning Star Prophetic Bulletin number 43. Yeah, cryptic name, is it not? You can find this out in the archives of the in- internet uh, at MorningStarMinistries.org. And he said some very interesting things here in uh, late 2004 as it pertains to this prophecy regarding the new breed. And this plays then into what we're seeing in modern manifestations of the charismatic movement. They're still talking like this and also in part explains why the charismatic movement fell hook, line, and sinker for a charlatan like Todd Bentley and how this new breed doctrine is still burbling under the surface, if you would. But here's what um, Rick Joyner wrote in 2004 in this Morningstar Prophetic Bulletin number 43. Here's a quote. quote. The Lord began speaking to some of us 20 years ago, saying the cross will be popular again. He also said that when this happens, a new breed of leadership, a new breed of Christians, and a radically new church would arise. We have now come to that time. There is going to arise within the church a renewal movement which truly deserves the name. It is going to be so radical and so powerful that it's going to make all things new. (laughs) Wow. He continues the present emerging generation has been called the most selfish yet selfishness and arrogance have become increasingly powerful strongholds within it. Even so where sin increases, grace will increase even more. The emerging generation will produce the most selfless and self-sacrificing Christians seen since the first century. This is going to result in a release of spiritual power and authority such as has not been seen since the first century, true apostles are going to walk the earth again. And where they walk, true apostolic churches will arise. This new breed of Christians will be the most fearless people on earth because they will have already died to this world, and it is impossible for the dead to fear. They will walk in unprecedented faith because they will have learned the secret of not looking at themselves and who they are, but at the Lord and who he is. They will not live by faith in their own abilities, but by faith in his strength. They will walk in unprecedented power because they will have learned the secret. The cross is the power of God. The true message of the cross is likewise going to draw the multitudes like no other message the church has brought forth. The message of self-sacrifice is going to quickly eclipse the message of selfishness just as the sun overpowers the moon when it uh, rises. This is the preparation for the gospel of the kingdom to be preached in the entire world. The message of the cross is not just the message of redemption and salvation. The cross is the doorway to the kingdom And the last message to be preached before the end of this age is the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation. The gospel of our redemption, the gift of our salvation and eternal life that was purchased for us at such a price is so glorious and wonderful that it is understandable so many Christians are seemingly unable to go beyond this great truth to see the kingdom. But we must it is the gospel of the kingdom that must be preached in all the earth before the end can come. So, in this uh, prophetic bulletin number forty-three from Rick Joyner back in two thousand and four, we see you know the emphasis there and the claim regarding a twenty-year-old prophecy at that time regarding this new breed that's going to rise up. This so you know they they almost remind me of uh, Nietzsche's Ubermensch. You know, kind of the Christian version of the Ubermensch. The some new breed. They are they've totally died to themselves, and they are getting their orders directly from, you know, God, the Holy Spirit, like in ways that we've never seen before. And then you have this weird dichotomy. You know, with, that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached, not the gospel of salvation. The gospel of the kingdom, as if there's a difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation. Strange stuff, indeed. And that then will play into the rise of Todd Bentley as well as others. And so we're going to continue back in time, if you would. And we're going to listen to Bob Jones and Todd Bentley. And then we're going to listen to you know charismatic uh, <laughs> leader Paul Kane and him talking to Uh, Todd Bentley, so that you can kind of get the idea of what's going on here. Todd Bentley was literally put forward by the the most prominent leaders in the charismatic movement as an example of this prophesied new breed of Christians. And so to kind of document this, we're going to begin by listening to the late Bob Jones as he discusses Todd Bentley and the new breed. Here we go.
1: Bob, do you want to add anything to where this is going, what's happening, and tell us a little bit about the new breed? All right,
0: and this is at the Lakeland Revival from uh, God TV at the time. Here's uh, Bob Jones at the request of Todd Bentley to tell us about the new breed.
2: The new breed is just simply the body of Christ is going to grow up. What he's doing now is bringing you to a level of maturity where you grow up. And if you grow up, you'll never regress. You'll continue progress year by year. So what he's talking about is the new breed is this. It's Romans one four, the Spirit of Holiness. So for years I've tried to get understanding what the Spirit of Holiness is, for it's different than the Holy Spirit. So... Last
0: Saturday he spoke. So the spirit of holiness is different than the Holy Spirit, and this new breed has this so-called spirit of holiness.
2: Me about a new breed of people, and he said, "I don't want you to get in front of them. I want you to get behind them."
0: So the body of Christ is not supposed to get in front of them. you know, guys like Bob Jones are supposed to get behind them, and of course, uh, Todd Bentley is one of these new breed guys, right?
2: And it'll be between the uh, uh, close to the ages of twenty-five to forty. And there's very few prophecies out there about people that's between 25 to 40, but this is who the new breed is. So uh, I began to... In this trance I went into at 3 o'clock last Saturday, I could ask questions. I began to ask questions. What is this new breed? It's, the new breed will be those that are partaker of the divine nature.
3: Uh,
0: (laughs) Okay, so the new breed are going to be partakers of the divine
2: nature. Really, tell us more. As you begin to grow into the likeness of Christ, you're going to begin to partake of the divine nature. And once you begin to grow up in that way, you'll continue to mature until you look like Christ uh, all over the world. Jesus is one person. Now get ready for Jesus is all over the world. Um,
0: <laughs> Jesus is all over the world. Really? Now, here is an example of uh, Todd Bentley from uh, one of his healing revivals, so supposedly, uh, healing a guy, and then you know he'll knock him to the ground, and you won't be able to see it as you listen to this. And Todd Bentley's going to say, raise him up as a new breed, BAM! Is, um, what you're gonna hear from Todd Bentley. Here, listen to this.
1: BAM! Double it on his life tonight, God. Ha 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 ha! And let him get vroom 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 vroom. and Full, 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 full. Raise him up as a revivalist. Raise him up as a new breed. BAM!
0: Raise him up as a revivalist. Raise him up as a new breed. So notice, I mean, Todd Bentley was totally keyed into this idea. Of course, he gladly took on the mantle of one who is part of the new breed. And uh, here is charismatic uh, superstar Paul Kane and Todd Bentley to uh, talk about how Todd Bentley is part of this new Joel's army. The new breed is oftentimes referred to as Joel's army or as the end-time Revival, a revival of the end times kind of leader, new breed type of thing. Here's Paul Kane, uh, who was uh, friends with William Branham, you know, and uh, his appearance with uh, Todd Bentley. Listen to
1: this. Paul, I saw the angel. And when you came out here tonight, Paul, the angelic activity was released in the stadium. And then I turned around and I saw Paul Kane step onto the grass. I never saw you step out onto the grass. But James Gall looked at me and he said, Todd, the angelic was just released. And it was going crazy in the stands. And then I turned around. and
0: Yeah, that's right. James Gall of the Patricia King gang apparently was, uh, you know, really close uh, ministry buddies with uh, Todd Bentley talking about the angelic being released.
1: All you. And I realized the atmosphere changed when you came back out here tonight to step out onto this pulpit. The power of God came in, and the glory, and His majesty, and His holiness came in. And I felt the the presence of Jesus. And you heard me say tonight, Paul, that I felt an impression that Jesus Himself came to me. And I felt the Lord came to me out of honor because he was pleased that you accepted my invitation to come and release the prophetic word and the prophetic blessing. Because I'm telling you right now, God is re-digging the well and there's a healing revival that's here. And you saw it and you had the reoccurring dream and you had the reoccurring vision. And you received it right here in Central Florida and right here in Central Florida. Some...
0: Yeah, this is part of
1: the uh, Lakeland Revival has begun, and it's going around the world, and it's global, and you being here tonight is prophetic history, and Paul, I would be honored if you would release and pray a blessing of healing revival just over every hungry heart and soul, watching on the television, and they're burning in their hearts right now, Paul, and I know you were with William Branham, I know you were with, you did meetings, you traveled with the greatest healing evangelists of the late 40s and 50s, and those seeds, those healing seeds are in you, Paul, and I've believe that you would release a prophetic blessing, a father's blessing, a grandfather's blessing, because you've carried the Word since the 70s, and you delivered the Word for so many years, and something's begun to come to pass, and I would be honored if you would release that. I feel it stirring in my heart, Paul.
4: Father God, in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that You've answered my prayer that you'd let me live to see tokens of this revival. Ah, uh, so
0: Paul Kane's happy that he lived to see Todd Bentley's day?
4: Be involved in it some way and be a participant if possible. And Lord, you have never uh, allowed me to say that I have met the new breed. Uh, absolutely met the new breed.
0: So Paul Kane, the charismatic superstar who uh, was with William Brannon, literally at the Lakeland Revival, is saying that Todd Bentley is part of this new breed, the new breed that Rick Joyner said he received a prophecy about. Yeah, this is really creepy.
4: And when you uh, brought uh, Todd, uh, Bentley, and I together the angel of the lord said you've found what you're looking for
0: so the angel of the lord told this to paul Cain. he found what he was looking for you know it's it's you know kind of like when jesus was at the temple and uh, you think of simeon and uh, and uh, the prophetess anna you know who uh, you know were, were basically had the privilege and of seeing the messiah you know simeon uh, Basically saying, "Oh Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel, right? Uh, this is uh, rolled up into the uh, the classic liturgical uh, song or the canticle, uh, the But um, So here Paul Cain is basically playing the role of Simeon and praising God that his eyes you know, were able to see uh, the the first fruits of the new breed on the earth, and who was it? It was Todd Bentley.
4: He's a man without guile, just as the um, Todd Bentley,
0: a man without guile. What about his? Well, this was before it was known that he was cheating on his wife.
4: The um, man was up in the tree, and uh, what was the man? Uh, behold.
1: Tacius. Tacchaeus. No,
4: no, no. Nathaniel. 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 Behold Nathaniel in whom there is no guile. And I couldn't believe it when people were criticizing Todd, that surely he had some kind of guile in him. And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as he's ever spoken before, and I've stood by the notables and the greats that had the greatest healing ministry of all times. And uh, I've never met anyone that has the integrity and the possibilities of leading this thing into a worldwide revival, and I just want to confer and bless whatever I can do, whatever God has given me to do. I just place myself in an available position to hear from the Lord and to transfer and give to my brother who has given so much to others and so much to me. Everything you've ever deposited into my life that I didn't know how to give away, I'm giving it to my brother tonight to carry on this revival until the stadiums all over the world have been uh, have been catching this and have been carriers of it and taking it from one end of the world to the other. And thank you. I've met the new breed here tonight, and I appreciate it in Jesus' name. And may the Lord anoint everyone. Did you
0: catch that? He said he's met the new breed. This is one of the reasons why Todd Bentley's revival took off the way that it did, because the uh, charismatic superstars, you know, Rick Joyner, Paul Kane, Bob Jones, all were saying that uh, Todd Bentley was... Uh, you know, the fulfillment of the prophecy regarding
4: the new breed. You, For you to be particip- uh, participants and go all the way with this. And somebody didn't want me to here tonight. You know who it was. It was Satan, but he's tried everywhere in the world to plug my mind, to plug my mind, but it's coming unplugged, and you better let me go now before I go wild. Amen. But while I was praying for the young man with the heart uh, Thing, the thing that's our, all of that. The Lord showed me that it could be about 300 people here go home free from the effects uh, of atrial fibrillation of all. Co-
0: so Paul Cain's getting his uh, prophetic licks in, if you would. You know, ma- making sure that uh, people you know don't leave the Lakeland revival without receiving impartations and healing directly from his uh, voice as well.
4: ...of murmurs, some you were born with, all kinds of discomfort. And you you prayed for someone last night, and I felt there were many of those here that have congestive heart failure, you have to sit up in bed to get your breath at night, and your feet swell, and you have to take uh, all kinds of diuretics to keep breathing, keep going. How about letting God heal 300 people, mass healings of every kind of heart trouble there is? Just stand on your feet. Stand on your feet and say, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I have trouble in my feet with it. I have trouble, symptoms all over my body. I have tachycardia. I have palpitations. I have... Um, uh, disorganized beats in my heart. Mis-
0: disorganized theology running around in my brain, yeah.
4: Double beats. Look, I can't see you, but wave your hands if you're standing with any kind of heart trouble. Yeah, are there about 300 out there? I'm not going to settle for less than 300 people going home with their heart. I will wave your hand, press your heart. Yeah, praise God, 300 people are going home tonight. Without atrial fibrillation, without um, uh, ever having to have a cardiac arrest, God's going to heal you and heal your varicose veins and open your arteries and unplug the uh, cholesterol. You're going to be thinking right, taking you out of the stroke range tonight. Taking you out of the stroke range. Just go back to your...
0: Oh, yeah, this just brings back memories, doesn't it? Yeah, the whole thing was just nonsense.
4: ...and asking if you still need all of these things. You may not need them anymore. Hey, Amen. This is part of the Last Day Revival. Well,
0: been... catch that? This is part of the Last Day Revival, with the releasing of the new breed, and him claiming, oh, yeah, Todd Bentley is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the new breed.
4: My part,
1: I'm getting out of here. We honor a great prophet of the Lord that's got such a great prophetic history. And it's an honor for us to be able to hear and receive from Paul Cain tonight. And we pray for him and you pray for him wherever you're watching around the world. Let a double portion anointing come on his life and ministry today. James. And may God anoint every new breed that's out there.
0: God anoint every new breed.
1: Say saying, God, I want to be a part. Who's saying that? Every new breed that's out there tonight. Lord, anoint them, 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 anoint them. Raise up a new breed. Raise up a healing army, oh God. You said this day was coming. A Joel's army being released. And we're saying, it's here and it's now and we're not going back.
0: Yeah, there you go. The new breed, it's been released. Joel Army, Joel's Army has been released, and we're not going back. Wow. So now you are beginning to understand exactly what was the appeal of Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley was literally being put forward as the fulfillment of the new breed prophecy. He was the manifestation of... The New Breed. And all of this, by the way, then plays into NAR ideas regarding the conquering of the Seven Mountains and stuff like that. In order for you know, the gospel of the kingdom to be preached everywhere, we need Joel's army in this new breed to do these amazing manifestations and things like that. That's what was going on. All right, we're going to pause right there, pay some bills, and when we come back, we're going to uh, continue with this idea of the New Breed and then talk about the civil war that was prophesied to take place within the charismatic movement regarding the new brief. Yeah, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition, previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, email address is talkbackfightingforthefaith.com, facebook.com forward slash pyrochristian. Follow me on Twitter. i in there at pyrochristian. We will be right back.
1: We
3: don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. No <laughs> ho, no ho, a
1: pirate's life for me. We village, we wonder, we rival, we hoops. Bring up, the hot as you ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't
5: give a hoop. Bring up, the hot as you ho. Yo, ho.
6: Holidays, Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select.
7: Doesn't it bother you how some Christians are quick to argue about theology? Jesus didn't buy for correct theology.
8: Wait a minute. Did you catch the double standard in that statement?
7: What double standard?
8: You just said that Jesus didn't die for correct theology.
7: Yeah, so what?
8: Do you believe that statement is accurate?
7: Of course I do.
8: So if you think that statement is accurate, would it be safe to say that you think that statement is correct?
7: Of course I think it's correct. That goes without saying. If I think the statement is accurate I obviously think it's correct. I wouldn't have made the statement if I didn't think it was accurate or correct.
8: Did you notice that your statement was making a theological point?
7: Well, yes, I suppose it was.
8: So let me see if I've correctly understood the statement you made. Okay. You said it bothers you how some Christians are quick to argue theology.
7: Yes, that's what I said.
8: It sounds like you're saying that it bothers you that some Christians argue theology in order to prove that something that you believe or have been taught is not correct?
7: Well, um, yes, I guess that's what I was saying.
8: But then you made a theological argument to try to prove that Christians shouldn't argue theology.
7: Well, um,
8: yes. So, on the one hand you say that it bothers you that Christians argue theology in order to prove your theology wrong but then on the other hand, you turned right around and employed a theological argument in order to prove that arguing theology is wrong. That's cheating. You can't use a theological argument in order to prove that arguing theology is wrong. That's like using logic to prove that logical argumentation is wrong or using a mathematical equation to prove that using math is wrong. I knew it. Knew what?
7: You're one of those people.
8: What do you mean by those people?
7: You're one of those people who loves theology more than people.
8: What on earth are you talking about?
7: You're a close-minded blogger who lives in her mother's basement and spends every day in her pajamas on a beanbag typing away on a laptop while eating cheetahs and drinking Mountain Dew.
0: Morning. listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the charismatic movement as a whole is harboring some of the most bizarre, non-biblical and anti-Christian teachings on the planet. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world and you can partner with us by visiting our website fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code uh, 58208, and let me thank you for your support because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. And a reminder we are in the middle of our fall bake sale. We are in the process of trying to raise funds in order to be able to afford kind of the next thing that uh, Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio are going to be launching, and that is a new website, new resources, whole new interface, and uh, we're going to make this thing. Uh, 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 be able to serve the body of Christ in greater ways. And so if you would like to um, uh, support us financially, the way you do that is visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. And if you would like to participate in the bake sale, what you need to do is uh, is click on the bake sale link, and you can purchase uh, several items there, including our T-shirt that we're making available this year, the I Survived the Four Blood Moons in the Shemitah, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt T-shirt. It's only 19.95 plus shipping and handling. Again, great way to support us. And if you haven't already joined our crew and uh, have been thinking about it for a while, again, that would be a great way to support us as we're, we've brought on uh, more help and uh, increased our budget. And uh, we've, uh, in, in doing so, we've uh, engaged in a little bit of financial risk here, but uh, we are confident that the new website you will find it valuable. And uh, if you've benefited from fighting for the faith in Pirate Christian Radio and uh, have not yet supported us, then I strongly recommend that you do that so that we can continue to serve you and the body of Christ in ever-increasing and good ways, if a good way to put it. All right, now we're going to continue with our theme here. We're working on this new breed idea. And uh, in order to uh, do the next thing uh, that we're going to do here, we've got to do our Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update Uh, We're going to be bringing Matt Sorger and Patricia King to talk about this new breed, which requires us to do this.
1: Down at an English fair One evening I was there When I heard a showman
2: shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts
0: There they are standing in a row Big
9: one small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist That's what the showman said
0: I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts
8: Every ball you throw will make me rich
0: There stands me wife, the idol of me life Singing roll-a-ball, a penny a pitch Singing roll ball a penny a pitch Singing roll-a-ball, a penny a pitch
10: roll ball
4: a
5: Roller bowl, a ball, sing and roller bowl, a
0: ball, a penny, a patch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. That's our update music for the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, um, of which Patricia King and Matt Sorger, well, I think they're founding members. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Matt Sorger, who we feature from time to time here at uh, Fighting for the Faith, is another one of these guys that is put forward by those in the charismatic movement as somebody who is an example of the new breed. Here's Matt Sorger and Patricia King to discuss this. Here we go.
2: Did you know that there's a new breed that's being raised up in the earth? What do we mean by a new breed? Yeah, what
0: exactly do you mean by that?
2: Well, I believe it's a breed of passionate believers that are after the glory of God, that are in pursuit of his presence like never before. In fact, maybe the most dynamic, most passionate group of believers in all of church history is about to emerge. And my mm,
0: about to emerge, you know, like Todd Bentley and Matt Sorger.
2: Matt Sorger is about to share about that new breed. Here he is.
5: We're talking about the new breed today. There is a new thing that God is doing in the earth. There's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's taking place. And uh, I would just love to even, at some point while I'm talking today, pray for you, because there's a new wave of joy, glory, outpouring that God is just releasing. It's setting people free, transforming them, reviving them. And I know in our own ministry, just like two weeks ago, uh, for the last few weeks, there has been like this tangible glory that's been following us, not just in the church meetings.
0: Tangible glory following you. Have you called the authorities to have them investigate? But outside the church meetings, in our homes, with our team,
5: with our whole extended team back in New York. So it's stalking you. There's just this outpouring of God happening. And uh, just last week, we we were together for Memorial Day. Uh, Just having like a barbecue in the afternoon and I began to share with them a testimony of a woman who was set free in one of our meetings uh, with holy laughter, set free from years of abuse and sexual abuse and all this stuff. And the power of God just smacked our whole team and they were all on the lawn outside just rolling around, uh, just overcome by the presence and joy of God. So now today we're talking about the new breed. There is a new breed that God is raising up in the earth. And years ago, it was probably about 16 years ago now, is the very first prophetic word I ever received in my life. At that point in my life, I did not know I was called to ministry. I had a heart to serve God. I wanted to serve God. Uh, but yet the full revelation of what God wanted to do in me and through me had not yet been given to me. But the very first prophetic word came about 16 years ago, and it was exactly about the new breed that God would release into the earth. And part of that prophetic word I want to share with you came and 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 it said that the Lord would raise up a new breed of leaders in the earth but they would not have a model that they could carbon copy themselves after. There wouldn't
0: a oh, new model, huh? The new breed will follow a new model, not carbon copy stuff that's been done in the past. Uh, you sure God told you this? something uh, that they could
5: could say this is how we're going to be or 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 this is how it was done before so now this is how we're going to do it but the prophetic exhortation came saying that we we've got to have ears to hear what the holy spirit is saying so that we'll know which direction to move in and i think this is a a vital key ingredient for the new breed that god is raising up i mean they are fiery radical they're willing to take risks they're, they're willing to not care about what people think uh, more than what God thinks. Um, that they're willing to, to have no compromise in their lives, but to be totally sold out, radically extreme in every area. Um, we're talking about extreme. You know, people talk about balance. You have to be balanced. Well, you know how you achieve perfect balance in your life? By being extreme in every area. Have extreme holiness. Have extreme signs and wonders. Have extreme prophetic. Have, you know, have extreme in every area. And then you find that perfect balance right in the middle. And this is the new...
0: So you find the perfect balance by having extremes. Right, because that's taught nowhere in the Bible at all, Matt.
5: God's raising up. They are water walkers. They're stepping out of the boat. They are looking to...
0: Okay, so the new breed, they're water walkers. I'd like to see you do it.
5: Their eyes are not on man. And if you want to be part of the new breed, one of the things that you've just got to die to right now is the fear of man and the need for approval. Because if your life is driven... By having to approve, uh, be approved by people, you won't be able to live in a place where you please God. Because there will be times God will ask you to do something. Times God will call you into a place. And sometimes people won't understand. Sometimes people can misunderstand or misjudge it. And if you're more concerned with what they think, you won't be able to really follow the Holy Spirit in these days. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's time for the church to really have ears. That will follow the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, follow the Holy Spirit so you'll listen to the new breeders. Right. Won't be conformed just to the
5: way it's been done before. But you know what I sense is, it's like out of Joshua chapter 3. When God was calling Joshua, he said to Joshua, sanctify the people, consecrate them, because I'm going to be doing wonders among you. And there there was this whole time of being set apart, this whole time of consecration that was taking place in the lives of the people. And then the Lord gave Joshua a very interesting instruction here. He said, send the priests ahead of you. Let them carry the ark on their shoulders.
0: Yeah, I I assure you that the text you're reading from, from the Old Testament, or at least mentioning, has nothing to do with uh, you, Matt Sorger, or the new breed. And
5: stand back behind the ark a certain amount. The the Bible says 2,000 cubits. Stand behind the ark and follow it, because the Bible says you must know the way you will go for you have not passed by this way before. So in other words, they couldn't just walk. They had to follow where the ark was going. And this is what will mark the new breed God's raising up. They're not following man. They're not following a good program. They're not even following a good idea. They're following the presence and glory of God.
0: Right. So yeah, don't even bother critiquing them because they're not going to listen to you. I mean, they're just too busy following the... The presence and the voice of God. Yeah, this new breed, they're dialed in like no other breed before.
5: Some people, they are purpose-driven. They're they're driven by activity. They're driven by works. But then there are those that are presence-led. They are led by the Holy Spirit. They are led by the presence of God. And there will be times that God will lead you into a place that you have never been before. And this is the generation we are in right now. This prophetic word came 16 years ago to me about a new breed that God would raise up who would have ears to hear where the Holy Spirit is leading, who would, who, who would not be able to carbon copy themselves or pattern themselves after something they already see done in the earth. But it's going to be so new and so different. They're going to have to have ears to hear where the Holy Spirit's leading them. And it was just like this in the day of Joshua. They had to stand behind the ark.
0: Behind. Yeah, so the new breeders, yeah, the new breed folks, they're they're going to they're going to be just behind the ark and oh yeah, they're just going to be so captivated by the manifest presence of God that yeah, they're they're just not going to take any marching orders from anybody here on the earth. They're the, the things they are going to be doing. Yeah, everyone's going to hate it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people who are just going to hate it, those who are cerebral minded, you know. Talk about that in a minute. And they're going to war and cause a civil war in Christianity. But no, this new breed, they won't even listen to them. They, their eyes are just on the ark, man. Yeah. You, we've never seen anything like this since Joshua, right? And the glory, behind the presence of God. And they had to
5: follow the presence of God into a new place they've never been before. And in this generation, we are going to follow the Lord into a place we have never been before. And those priests... Their feet would stand in the waters of the Jordan, and as they stood in the waters of the Jordan, the waters would part, and then all the other people could cross over. And this is the new breed that God's calling up, raising up and calling.
0: They will carry... Yeah, notice the Narcegesis there. Yeah, it was Stephen Furtick-style Narcegesis of an Old Testament text. And who... Well, he claims to be part of this new breed, you know. Presence of God on their lives. And they will not be afraid to step into
5: uncharted territory, uncharted waters. But as their feet hit those new places, the waters are going to part before them. And not only are they going to be able to cross over, but the whole body of Christ behind them will be able to cross over with them. Because
0: Yeah, you won't be able to cross over into the promised land without the new breed. Yeah doesn't want just a few
5: to cross over. God wants the whole body to be able to move together. So there will be radical glory forerunners who are of a new spirit, a new breed. They, they, they they're just burning with the zeal of God and they will be willing to take radical risks to go places that we've never gone before. And if you're sitting there today and something is burning on the inside of you and you say, Matt, That's what I want. I want to burn with that fire. I want to be a glory forerunner. I want to pass over. I want to cross over. I want to go where the church has never gone before. I want to do what's never been done before. I want you to extend your hands towards your computer screen, your television screen, wherever you're...
0: Really, you're going to impart the new breed anointing on them via computer screen? Really? Extend your hands. I'm going
5: to pray for you that the fire of that new breed will be transported, translated imparted right into your life today father in jesus name i pray for every person watching that you would raise up to be a part of this new
0: now normally i don't let people pray who are heretics but you need to hear this it's not an age thing
5: lord it is the generation that is on the earth today and lord i pray for for my for my friends watching here father that that same spirit that was in Joshua, that would follow the ark of God, that would follow the presence of God, that that same anointing would go before each one of your people. And Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in this hour, that we would not be led by a good idea, we would not be led by a program, but God, we would be led by your glory and by your presence. And I pray for circumcised ears. I speak over your spiritual hearing today, that your ears will be open. To hear the voice of God clearer than you have ever heard before. It will not be a doubtful thing. It will not be a questionable thing. You will know that God has spoken to you. And Lord, I pray for that that supernatural spiritual hearing to be upon every person right now. And Lord, that that spirit of God, of revival, of joy, of signs and wonders, of radical faith, radical zeal, would be infused into them now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Yeah. Okay. Frightening stuff. And here's a a promo, literally a promo video for the new breed put together by Matt Surger, kind of reiterating what you just heard regarding the the new breed. Here he is again.
5: There is a new breed that God is raising up in the earth. They are fiery, radical, totally sold out, radically extreme. Um, We're talking about extreme have extreme holiness, have extreme signs and wonders, have extreme prophetic. They're not following man. They're not following a good program. They're not even following a good idea. They're following the presence and glory of God. There will be radical glory forerunners who are of a new spirit, a new breed. They're just burning with the zeal of God, and they will be willing to take radical risks to go places that we've never gone before. This is the generation we are in right now.
0: So I think you get the point. Yeah, this new breed thing is kind of important. It it definitely uh, creates delusions of grandeur within some within the charismatic movement. Now, the question is, what happens if you're not on board with some of these new breed folks? Well, we have an example of that, by the way. Uh, J. Lee Grady, who used to be the editor for Charisma Magazine... Uh, he found himself running afoul of uh, the new breed, uh, you know, leaders. And uh, at the time of the uh, Lakeland revival, he wrote this article called "Can We Avoid a Charismatic Civil War?" And this is an important thing because, along with and concurrent with the the prophecy regarding the new breed, was also a set of prophecies coming from Rick Joyner as well as uh, Bob Jones regarding a civil war within Christianity and the charismatic movement. And apparently one of the first casualties of the civil war was J. Lee Grady. Let me read to you from July 9th, 2008, an article entitled, Can We Avoid a Charismatic Civil War? And here's here's how it said, It's been more than 10 years since the charismatic prophet Rick Joyner predicted in his popular book, The Final Quest, that believers would experience a civil war in the church. Joyner's book, based on a series of visions he says God showed him, describes in graphic detail a turbulent conflict that redefines Christianity as we know it. And by the way, we're going to listen to an extended portion of the audiobook of Rick Joyner's uh, The Final Quest, so you can hear what this supposed direct revelation from God sounds like. And uh, so Jay Lee Grady continues, he says, Other charismatic leaders have echoed this theme since Joyner's book was published in 1996. They have predicted that our movement will be divided between blues, those who constantly live in the supernatural realm of dreams, visions, and miracles, and the grays, those who rely more on their intellect and that the Blues will win and usher in true revival as champions of the Holy Spirit's power. Early, Even in early 2008, before the Lakeland Revival erupted in Florida in April, some charismatic prophets were declaring that a great rift would divide those who believe in the glory realm and those who have a more conservative left-brained approach to their faith. When God TV began its nightly broadcast of evangelist Todd Bentley's healing meetings in Lakeland, the Civil War prophecies reappeared overnight on hundreds of blogs and email blasts. I'll admit I was not paying too much attention to these Civil War prophecies. Predictions 10 years ago, but I was jolted into reality in May after I wrote an online column in which I raised honest questions about some of Bentley's teachings and techniques, even though I celebrated his passion and zeal and praised God for the healings that were reported in Lakeland. I was immediately branded as a revival critic and banished to the gray camp. I became the bad guy because by asking questions I was relying on my intellect to those in the blue camp. My skepticism made me an enemy of the Holy Spirit and all things supernatural, even though I believe that all the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. I tried to laugh this off at first. Surely, I imagine my Christian brothers and sisters do not really think it is wrong for a spirit-filled believer to test the spirits, which we are instructed to do in 1 John 4, verse 1, discern the truth, see Peter 2, Peter 3:17, or evaluate prophecies and angelic encounters, see 1 Corinthians 14:29 and Galatians 1, 2 through, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. But now I realize that some people really want a war. They want the charismatic movement to split right down the middle they imply that all those who do not embrace 100% of the current movement in Lakeland are, quote, old wineskins, unquote, that cannot be used by God or in the coming revival. I can't even describe how much this hurts because I love people on both sides of this conflict. I love the blues and the grays along with every other color in the body of Christ, I refuse to believe that God is trying to split us. Division is the devil's work. I want to plead with everyone in our movement to reconsider the whole Civil War scenario. Instead of rattling sabers and stockpiling gunpowder, maybe we need to take steps in the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely fascinating when you start to take a look at some of the moving parts that are going on at the time of the Lakeland Revival, and the result of two prophetic utterances, which I have to put air quotes around, because I don't believe that God the Holy Spirit had anything to do with the so-called New Breed prophecy, nor do I believe that God had anything to do with the so-called prophecies regarding the Civil War that's supposedly going to break out within Christianity. And so for this next segment, I, I, I ask you to be patient and the reason I need you to be patient is because what we're going to listen to is going to sound tedious. We're going to listen to a portion of the book, the audio book of Rick Joyner's The Final Quest, which lays out this idea uh, supposedly of a civil war that, uh, that was, is going to be take, taking place within Christianity between the blues and the grays. No joke. You know, weird two major prophecies by major leaders, and you have to put prophecy in air quotes, have given us much of the nonsense that we're experiencing today in the body of Christ, you know, in the in the greater body of Christ, and specifically in relating to the new breed and people like Todd Bentley and Matt Sorger and others, as well as, you know, those like Patricia King and, and folks like that. But so without any further ado, here now is our next segment uh, the uh, a portion of the audiobook uh, written by Rick Joyner entitled The Final Quest. Here we go.
9: The Final Quest A Vision by Rick Joyner from Morningstar Publications. Part 1 The Hordes of Hell Are Marching. The demonic army was so large that it stretched as far as I could see, it was separated into divisions with each carrying a different banner. The foremost divisions marched under the banners of pride, self-righteousness, respectability, selfish ambition, unrighteous judgment, and jealousy. There were many more of these evil divisions beyond my scope of vision. But those in the vanguard of this terrible horde from hell seemed to be the most powerful. The leader of this army was the accuser of the brethren himself. The weapons carried by this horde were also named. The swords were named intimidation, the spears were named treachery, and the arrows were named accusation, gossip, slander, and fault-finding. Scouts and smaller companies of demons, with such names as rejection, bitterness, impatience, unforgiveness, and lust were sent in advance of this army to prepare for the main attack. These smaller companies and scouts were much fewer in number, but they were no less powerful than some of the larger divisions that followed. They were smaller only for strategic reasons. Just as John the Baptist was given an extraordinary anointing for baptizing the masses, to prepare them for the Lord. These smaller demonic companies were given extraordinary evil powers for baptizing the masses. A single demon of bitterness could sow his poison into multitudes of people, even entire races or cultures. A demon of lust would attach himself to a single performer, movie, or advertisement and send what appeared to be Bolts of electric slime.
0: Now, no, this is just really bizarre, right? He claims he got this direct revelation from God, which tells you something here. If there was a charismatic civil war taking place because of the new breed at the time of the Lakeland Revival, charismatics are listening to so-called prophecies like this and they're believing it is the very word of God, much like, well we talk about the Bible. So they have a twin authority structure. You have the Bible and you have these direct revelations and people are acting on them as Christians as if they're hearing the very voice of God. Does this sound like a revelation from God to you? This sounds like sci-fi nonsense.
9: That would hit and desensitize great masses of people. All of this was to prepare for the great horde of evil which followed Although this army was marching specifically against the church, it also was attacking anyone else it could. I knew that it was seeking to preempt a coming move of God, which was destined to sweep great numbers of people into the church. The primary strategy of this army was to cause division on every possible level of relationship. Churches with each other congregations with their pastors, husbands and wives, children and parents, and even children with each other. The scouts were sent to locate the openings in churches, families, or individuals that such spirits as rejection, bitterness, and lust could exploit and enlarge. Through these openings would pour demonic influences that completely overwhelmed their victims. On the backs of Christians. The most shocking part of this vision was that this horde was not riding on horses, but primarily on Christians. Most of them were well dressed, respectable, and had the appearance of being refined and educated. But there also seemed to be representatives from almost every walk of life. While these people profess Christian truths in order to appease their conscience, they live their lives in agreement with the powers of darkness. As they agreed with those powers, their assigned demons grew and more easily directed their actions. Many of these believers were hosts of more than one demon but one of the demons would clearly be in charge. The nature of the one in charge dictated which division it was marching in. Even though the divisions were all marching together, it also seemed that the entire army was on the verge of chaos. For example, the demons of hate hated the other demons as much as they did the Christians. The demons of jealousy were all jealous of one another. The only way the leader of this horde kept the demons from fighting each other was to keep their hatred focused on the people they were riding. However, these people would often break into fights with each other. I knew that some of the armies that came against Israel in the scriptures had ended up destroying themselves in the same way. When their purpose against Israel was thwarted, their rage was uncontrollable and they began to fight each other. I noted that the demons were riding on the Christians, but they were not in them, as was the case with non-Christians. It was obvious that these believers had only to stop agreeing with their demons in order to get free from them. For example, if the Christian on whom a demon of jealousy was riding just started to question the jealousy, that demon would weaken very fast. When this happened, the weakened demon would cry out, and the leader of the division would direct all the demons around that Christian to attack him until the jealousy, etc., would build up on him again. If this didn't work, the demons would begin quoting scriptures, perverting them in a way that would justify their bitterness, accusations, or other satanic influences they were spreading the power of the demons was clearly rooted almost entirely in the power of deception. But they had deceived these Christians to the point where they could use them, and the Christians would think they were being used by God. This was because banners of self-righteousness were being carried by almost everyone, so that those marching could not even see the banners that marked the true nature of these divisions. As I looked far to the rear of this army, I saw the entourage of the accuser himself. I began to understand his strategy, and I was amazed that it was so simple. He knew that a house divided cannot stand, and his army represented an attempt to bring such division to the church that she would be powerless and ineffective. It was apparent that the only way the accuser could do this was to use Christians to war against their own brethren. And that is why almost everyone in the forward divisions was a Christian, or at least a professing Christian. Every step these deceived believers took in obedience to the accuser strengthened his power over them. This made his confidence, and the confidence of all his commanders, grow with the progress of the army as it marched forward. It was apparent that the power of this army depended on the agreement of these Christians with the ways of evil. The Prisoners. Trailing behind these first divisions was a multitude of other Christians who were prisoners of this army. All of these captive Christians were wounded and they were guarded by smaller demons of fear. There seemed to be more prisoners them.
0: Now, just a reminder, the people who believed that this was a direct revelation from God, what did they do? They attacked those within the charismatic movement who were trying to test what Todd Bentley's message and methods were, according to Scripture. They were marginalized and shunned, and all because of, well, the supposed prophecy that you're listening to a part of right now called the Final Quest.
9: And there were demons in the army. Surprisingly, these prisoners still had their swords and shields, but they did not use them. It was a shock to see that so many could be kept captive by so few of these little demons of fear. If the Christians had just used their weapons, they could easily have freed themselves and probably done great damage to the entire evil horde. Instead, they marched submissively along. Above the prisoners, the sky was black with vultures named depression. Occasionally, these would land on the shoulder of a prisoner and would vomit on him. The vomit was condemnation. When the vomit hit a prisoner, he would stand up and march a little straighter for a while, and then slump over, even weaker than before. Again, I wondered why the prisoners did not simply kill these vultures with the swords, which they could have easily done. Occasionally, the weaker prisoners would stumble and fall. As soon as they hit the ground, the other prisoners would begin stabbing them with their swords, scorning them for their weakness. The vultures would then come and begin devouring the fallen ones, even before they were dead. The other Christian prisoners stood by and watched this approvingly occasionally stabbing the fallen ones again with their swords. As I watched, I realized that these prisoners thought the vomit of condemnation was truth from God. Then I understood that these prisoners, they actually thought they were marching in the army of God. This is why they did not kill the little demons of fear or the vultures. They thought these were God's messengers. The darkness from the cloud of vultures made it so hard for these prisoners to see that they naively accepted everything that happened to them as being from the Lord. They felt that those who stumbled were under God's judgment, which is why they attacked them the way they did. They thought they were helping God. The only food for these prisoners was the vomit from the vultures. Those who refused to eat simply weakened until they fell. Those who did eat were strengthened for a time, but with the strength of the evil one. Then they would weaken unless they would drink the waters of bitterness that were constantly being offered to them. After drinking the bitter waters, they would begin to vomit on the others. When one of the prisoners began to do this, a demon that was waiting for a ride would climb up on him and ride him to one of the front divisions. Satanic slime, even worse than the vomit from the vultures, was a repulsive slime that these demons were urinating and defecating upon the Christians they rode. This slime was pride and selfish ambition, etc. that was the nature of their division. However, this slime made the Christians feel so much better than the condemnation had. They easily believed that the demons were messengers of God. They actually thought that this slime was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I had been so repulsed by the evil army that I wanted to die. Then the voice of the Lord came to me saying, This is the beginning of the enemy's last day army.
0: Notice that's a prophetic statement right there. The voice of the Lord came to me. He's claiming prophecy on the same level as Isaiah or Jeremiah or Amos or Malachi. Very dangerous indeed. Now, Jesus, uh, when he was describing the last day, would it be filled with a proliferation of true prophets or false prophets? The answer is false prophets. Read Matthew 24.
9: This is Satan's ultimate deception. His ultimate power of destruction is released when he uses Christians to attack one another. Throughout the ages he has used this army, but never has he been able to use so many for his evil purposes as he is now. Do not fear. I have an army too. You must now stand and fight, because there is no longer any place to hide from this war. You must fight for my kingdom, for truth, and for those who have been deceived. This word from the Lord was so encouraging that I immediately began yelling to the Christian prisoners that they were being deceived, thinking that they would listen to me. When I did this, it seemed that the whole army turned and looked at me. The cloud of fear and deception that was over them started to come towards me. The battle begins. Then I turned and saw the army of the Lord standing behind me. There were thousands of soldiers, but they were still greatly outnumbered. I was shocked and disheartened, for it seemed that there were actually many more Christians being used by the evil one than there were in the army of the Lord. I also knew that the battle about to begin was going to be viewed as the Great Christian Civil War.
0: There it is, the Great Christian Civil War. I know it was a long road to hoe to get there, but I wanted you to hear it in context of what this supposed prophecy was. So we got the coming of the great Christian Civil War. More details, please.
9: Because very few understood the dark powers that were behind the impending conflict. As I looked more closely at the army of the Lord, the situation seemed even more discouraging. Only a small number were fully dressed in their armor. Many only had one or two pieces of armor on. Some did not have any at all. A large number were already wounded. Most of those who had on all their armor still had very small shields, which I knew would not protect them from the onslaught that was coming. Very few of those who were fully armed were adequately trained to use their weapons. To my surprise, The great majority of these soldiers were women and children. Behind this army was a trailing mob, which seemed very different in nature from the prisoners who followed the evil horde. Those in the mob seemed overly happy, as if intoxicated. They were playing games, singing songs, feasting, and roaming about from one little camp to the next. This reminded me of Woodstock.
0: All right, you you get the point. So Joyner, back in the mid-'90s, writes this book that we were listening to, The Final Quest, claiming it's a direct revelation from God talking about the upcoming Christian Civil War. We're going to get more details about that Civil War from the late Bob Jones when we come back from our break. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me... Regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pyrochristian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pyrochristian. Quick break, when we come back, sermon review, I'm listening to Bob Jones, as he discusses the civil war between the blue and the gray, all of this concurrent with the so-called rise of the new breed. Stay tuned.
3: Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
0: Hi Rich Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in surprise? <laughs>
6: You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. The internet and the countless technologies around us, such as smartphones, tablets, PCs, cameras, video games, have become quintessential parts of our daily lives. In fact, our broadcast might be streaming on your phone right now. Communication and access to information has advanced faster than our ability to manage it responsibly. Texting and email are but two small examples of how technology has provided the means necessary to communicate over long distances, while at the same time, giving people the ability to hide behind shadowy anonymity. By its very nature, technology is a double-edged sword. It provides the immediacy we desire and need, yet it also provides gateways for isolation from proper supervision. As adults, we can govern our own actions and submit to others for accountability. Or not. But how good are we at modeling or overseeing technology in the hands of children? Do our children have more knowledge about technology than we do? Do we choose to trust our children with such powerful tools without any oversight? Many people nowadays are aware of the dangers of the internet, such as cyberbullying, sexting, predators, stalking, trolling, video game addiction, pornography, etc. etc. But simple awareness is rarely met with measures of protection, appropriate oversight, or engaging communication. Typically, parents are trusting and simply managing from crisis to crisis, because they don't know where to start or what to do in the first place. The Parentum was created as a centralized destination to provide parents information on the available security tools for all internet connected devices. We provide educational instructions on how to protect families from technological immersion and information on a host of potential life altering risks born from the dangerous elements of the internet. The Parent Dome's mission is to empower parents to be actively aware and engage stewards of technology for their children. Technology advances daily, and those seeking to exploit it with the intent to cause harm maintains that same pace. At the Parent Dome, we continually update our website in order to properly address the changing needs of parents and families to better defend them against predatory exploits. Please visit us at www.parentdome.com. For further information thank you
0: all right we're back our number two of fighting for the faith sermon review time all working with our kind of uniform theme here talking about the so-called direct revelations regarding the new breed and uh the apparent civil war within Christianity that was prophesied by uh, the prophet Rick Joyner. And think about the untold, incalculable damage done to the body of Christ by these so-called direct revelations. Yeah, it gave us Todd Bentley and the gang. All right, let's do this right. we got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. for are an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. And listen, when I say sermon here, that is a stretch of the word sermon because what we're going to be listening to is a, a prophecy regarding the gray versus the blue delivered by the so-called prophet, now deceased. And who knows, by the way, now that he was a false prophet. That would be uh, Bob Jones. I don't know how to prepare you for what you're going to be listening to, but again, think about the un- incalculable damage done to the body of Christ as a result of people within the charismatic movement believing these men are hearing from God. It's Bob Jones, Rick Joyner, and others with these nonsensical prophecies who have unleashed these false prophets and, you know, getting worse by the minute, false prophets like Todd Bentley on the body of Christ. So let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's the late Bob Jones and his uh, blue versus gray prophecy. Here we go.
3: Uh, this is a special time of year.
0: He's being introduced right now.
3: Which uh, Bob receives a lot of revelation, and uh, last night he had an experience with the Lord, and we're going to ask him to uh, share about concerning things that he is seeing upcoming, and so if Bob and Bonnie would come on up, uh, we're going to have uh, them share. Do we, we need to put a chair up, uh, up on, the, um, on the podium? Uh, many of you are aware that this is the season this, throughout this time where Bob uh, receives the shepherd's rod and um he receives what these in these experiences the lord has shown by the way
0: this was delivered at uh, at uh, rick Joyner's um you know morning star whatever the name of his outfit is
3: uh, things that are coming or uh things that are about ready to unfold for the next year and so uh while we have them here with us uh, we want to take advantage of hearing the initial things that the Lord has begun to show, Bob, and I I suspect that there's going to be more to this. Uh, But, um... The truth is established by two
2: witnesses. I think you've had two witnesses today. (laughs) And I believe the two witnesses are saying, you're going to have to bridle your tongue. You're going to have to bridle your conversation, your expression, and your presentation. Because if the anointing is coming, there's going to be life in what you say. And if you say wrong, there'll be death in it. So I think he's bringing two strong witnesses forward. A few days ago, the Lord began to deal with me on a thing. The angel of this nation is called unity, union.
0: The angel of this nation is called
2: union. Okay. If you study George Washington's prophecy, you see that this is the angel that appeared to him in his darkest hour. And there were some reckless things that took place with George Washington. They... His enemies in battle began to believe that he couldn't be killed because they would shoot at him. They'd shoot the horses out underneath him, everything else. But he had a divine hand on him. And I believe that divine hand is coming again to the America. For and America is being called to come into a union. There's coming a civil war in, in the church. Mm, building off of Rick
0: Joyner's so-called prophecy from the mid-90s. Civil war coming to the church.
2: And each and every one of you are going to have a civil war inside of you. It's going to be the gray matter, the rebel against the blue
0: and when he said gray matter, he was pointing to his brain, his head. The rebel—that would be your brain—is apparently a rebel, and the blue matter, you know, is pointing to your guts. That's the—that's uh, the good guy.
2: The revelation of the Son of Heaven. We have tried to bring a unity in our mind for a few hundred years in America. There's not been any unity. It can only be a unity when we become united in the spirit.
0: Yeah, your mind's going to get in the way of unity, apparently. Brain equals bad. Don't be using your brain. That's what he's saying.
2: The mind, the mind without a control over it, without a servant attitude in it, becomes a land mind. And anybody that steps on your doctrine, you're going to blow their legs off. Anybody that says something in church that offends you, you're going to blow them off.
0: Uh, so doctrine and being offended, yeah, you're going to blow them off. So you've you got to make what, you got to turn your brain off, man. Knock that doctrine stuff off and stop being offended by crazy things happening in the spirit. Right.
2: God is calling for the mind to become a gold mind. And offended is not a thing that can is an option to you. A gold mine is going to have what a person needs when they need it. Colossians three two. A gold mine is a mind that has settled their affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So our soul has enslaved our spirit. It was. Not uh,
0: what? What? <laughs>
2: Meant to be that way. You don't worship the Lord in your soul, you worship Him in spirit and in truth. So you're going to have to worship Him in the spirit to get the truth. We've been trying to do it here when this should be our servant and this should be the master. For the revelation gifts are in every one of your spirits. And there's a real need that the soul uh, have the Word of God in there, because then you'll know where it's the Holy Spirit or not. Because what you hear will agree with what's written. But the soul has been the master too long, and the rebel is in the soul, and the rebellion, and the gray matter.
0: You so the rebellion is in the soul and the gray matter, right? Which biblical text says that? Yeah, he's not even making any pretense of preaching from scripture.
2: I'm not going to be able to figure out what to do in the future. You're not going to get the answers you need in your mind. Our most brilliant people will not be able to give you the answer. The answer is in you, but it's in your spirit, man. The spirit man is the same in men and women alike. The spirit of a woman is a spirit man. And this is what he's a beginning to deal, that you would become literally love slaves, that the mind would...
0: Uh, what? you? Want, God wants us to become love slaves. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, now, notice, people are eating all this up as if this is... Biblical. I mean, this. I mean, it's a direct revelation from God, the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Bob Jones. So, this is every bit as God's, uh, you know, uh, uh, God's word as what you find in your Bible. But is it
2: become a love slave to the spirit of God that's in you? Every one of you, when you were born, a piece of God the Father come out at your conception. When you were con- What? You were conceived to live forever. And you are going to live forever someplace. And you determine where you're going to live. And when that seed in you gets ready to break forth, it's when you begin to see Christ. You see him first in the written word. But it's time now that we go on and go... the, The word in there... But let the Spirit of God...
0: So at first you find Jesus in the written word, but you got to move on
2: from that. What are you saying? Come into us, for the Holy Spirit can reveal to our spirit the future.
0: Ah, so you got to move on beyond the written word of God so that the Spirit can show you the
2: future. No biblical text says this. And then when this becomes the love slave. It does all...
0: Pointing to your gray matter, your brain. When your brain becomes a love slave.
2: That's what you hear here. And when you use the name of Jesus you heard here, and you bring the word of knowledge, there's going to be tremendous release of healings. We're on the verge of awesome healings. But there's something that's getting greater. Have you noticed
0: this about the charismatic movement? They're always on the verge of something; never quite comes into view. It always seems a little bit beyond their grasp, which again plays into the whole Todd Bentley uh, revival because people thought this was the the big thing that was being talked about. And you know, they, they're just on the verge of, on the cusp of the latest move of the spirit. And all this false prophecy does is lead them away from Christ. Take your eyes off the Scripture. Uh, put your eyes on these so called prophets and prophetesses, and they're not actually speaking the word of God. And uh, yeah, this is a total disaster theologically. Takes your eyes off of Christ. You are open now to every strange wind of doctrine and the doctrines of demons.
2: Healings. The word of knowledge is really good, it's not going to stop. But we're getting ready for the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom will come to not only prepare you for the future and tell you the future, but it will tell you how to avoid needing to be healed. The wisdom of God is getting ready to be released and you will know what decisions to make for the future, what you should be saving, what you shouldn't, where you should be. So he's looking for a person, people that will let the word of wisdom come and dwell here. And I haven't seen very little of the word of wisdom. I have seen it a few times. But we're getting ready for it to be released. With that, there will not only be the miraculous healings, there will be the Miracles. Uh, I've seen strokes and things like that healed, but with the word of wisdom, you know how to stay healed. You know what decisions to make for tomorrow, but you're going to need that earring in your ear because you're going to need to hear. And when that earring was put in the ear, it was a person that was released from slavery, but they chose to be. Uh, still, joined to their master, they become a slave to the master—a love slave. This is what is getting ready. There is a remnant of people that's getting ready to come forth like love slaves. They will have their ear will be tuned to the master. One thing that he was dealing with me this morning was like, how much do we pray in the spirit? We pray in understanding a lot, don't we? But praying in the Spirit's where you hear. Paul was a brilliant man. And you know, he prayed in the Spirit more than anybody else. He didn't get it in his mind, he got it here. So the Civil War is getting ready to start. And we're getting ready for the the gray has got to surrender to the blue.
0: That that means your brain has got to surrender to the, the experiential, nonsensical, irrational.
2: Uh-huh. Right. For this gray matter, you think you've got a thing figured out? You don't. You're going to have to faith it out, and you only faith it out right down here. Faith is coming forth. So... Every one of you are going to have a civil war within here. You're going to have to determine, am I going to figure it out? Well, I'm telling you, you're not. Uh, Should I buy gold? Should I buy silver? Should I buy food? That's all gray matter. It ain't going to work. But when you pray and you hear something here,
3: do that. That's going to work. Bob, I I got a quick question for you. So the the blue, or the gray's got to surrender to the blue, so you're about ready to become a Yankee? (laughs) Well,
2: I I can still keep my Southern heritage. (laughs) Well, this time, I'm going to put on the blue. And so are you if you're going to go any place. And when you put on the blue, you become an army. An army in unity.
0: Not in doctrine. You're not united in doctrine. That's all part of the gray matter rebel stuff, yeah. U- unity in the experiential all claimed to be the move of the Spirit.
2: Have you any idea what an army in unity can do? You know there's principalities and powers, thrones and dominion, demonic that's reigning over this town? You know what an army of blue would do? Would pull down that principality. One of you can't do it. A hundred of you can't do it. A thousand of you can't do it. But several churches joining together in unity can take down the enemy. He's calling for us to become an army that stays in step with one another. That didn't go away all or get out of step. Marching together in unity. And that's going to be by the Spirit. The Word of Knowledge and the Word of Wisdom is getting ready to come into each and every one of your spirits. Where when a man like me brings a Word, you ought to know where it's the Lord or not because you already get in it for yourself. One thing that I've noticed that Bonnie and I are doing lately, we've ran the revelation. All they're doing is bringing a confirmation of what they already have. And then you can become in agreement with one another. And that's what he said, that we would become in agreement with one another. An army that marches by Revelation. Revelation.
0: An army that marches by revelation. Scary, because he's not talking about the Bible.
2: Son of heaven. And then what they would proclaim, then you're going to need the mind. Because once you hear it here.
0: Hear it in your guts.
2: And you speak in the name of Jesus. It's created. Uh, what? What? You're getting ready for created like you've never seen before. I believe I have seen created body parts on the inside. I've never seen one on the outside. I believe the reason he did that is people weren't ready for it. But I think there's a hunger and a thirst for people now for the real thing. And when what's in the Father's heart is in the Holy Spirit's heart, And the Holy Spirit is right there in your spirit. Your spirit is your conscience. And when your conscience feels something and reveals it to your mind, your mind's job is to proclaim it and speak it into existence.
0: Where is he getting any of this, and why did somebody say amen? This is nowhere taught in Scripture.
2: This is in Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. Funny, would you mind? No, it's not. It will be called into being by the Word of Prophecy. I believe that we've come to an end of religion. Three days ago on Rosh Hashanah, and a beginning of Christianity.
10: Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. You have heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfillment. And will you not bear witness to it? I show you specific new things from, the time, from this time forth, even hidden things kept in reserve which you have not known. They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word, and not long ago, and before today you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them.
2: I believe wisdom is going to justify her children. And she's looking for her children to step forth.
0: Notice that that text was taken way out of context. Way out of context. Isaiah 48, verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city, and stay themselves on the God of Israel, the Lord, uh, the Lord of hosts is His name. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth, and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them, and they came to pass, because I know that you are an obstinate, you are obstinate, and your neck is as an iron sinew, and your forehead is as brass. I declared them to you as of uh, at to you from of old, before they came to pass, I announced them to you. Lest you should say, my idol did them, my carved image, and my metal image commanded them. You have heard, now see all of this, and you will not declare it. From this time forth I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today you have never heard of them, lest you should say, behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known from of old. Your ear has not been opened, for I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth you were called a rebel. For my name's sake I defer my anger, and for the sake of my praise I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Yeah, you'll notice that this text doesn't say anything about your mind speaking things into existence as the love slave of the soul. Oh, man, this man was deceitfully duplicitous in his twisting of Scripture.
2: And what she speaks in here, with their soul, they will proclaim it and bring it into being. We have come to the end of one time and the beginning of the next. I believe the Lord has been preparing us in a strong way for the last three years. And this is a year of the man. 2012. This is a year that godly wisdom is returning to the body of Christ, which it works by the fear of the Lord returning. I believe that we've come to that place of realizing that we don't know anything. And when we use the name of Jesus, and we use it from here, there's not any demonic force that can stop it.
0: Use it from your guts. He was pointing to your splog,
2: You can literally tear the gates off of a town. And I believe that uh, there is a remnant that he's calling forth. I don't believe they're very mature yet, but they're going to change The change has taken place, and there's been a preparation in the last three years. This year, the ear rang, and being sent forth by the Holy Spirit of God, and knowing the Spirit and the truth, I'm afraid that a lot of heresies entered into the body of Christ.
0: Yeah, and you seem to be the gateway through which that heresy is pouring forth.
2: And the truth is getting ready to reveal it. I mean, I see all kind of heresy, like God don't heal anymore and all this stuff and uh, this other kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, what about the heresies you're spewing in this so-called direct revelation?
2: We're getting ready to find out what God does do. We've been saying what he doesn't do. We're getting ready through this wisdom to find out what he's going to do. And who's he going to do it through? If he was going to do it himself, he'd already done it. He's going to do it through you. If you become that servant, that slave, and you spend that time in the Spirit, and you hear what he's saying in the Spirit, and you worship him in Spirit... And as you worship Him in spirit, it creates a truth in you. We're getting ready.
0: So as you worship Him in spirit, it creates a truth inside of you. Uh huh. Yeah, blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. There's nouns and verbs, but that sentence made no sense. Truth.
2: A bunny was given the 85th Psalm the other day. Truth is going to raise up from the earth, and righteousness is going to come down and kiss it. And I'm telling you, wisdom has come to kiss her children and to justify them. And I would put it this way, you haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) Where two of these come together in agreement here, the Lord is in your midst to accomplish what you're praying I believe we're getting ready to honor the Father on a level like never before. For that's what the Father seeks, those that will grow up and begin to look like His Son. His Son done nothing, save what He saw the Father do. That's what He's calling you to. That you would do nothing, save what you saw the Father do, then you'd do all things. And get ready, because in the last uh, uh, few years, in the Shepherd rod, the beginning was the ox, the servant, the sacrifice. Uh, The year after that, 09, 010, was the year of the eagle, revelation. We've just gone through the year of the lion authority. Now get ready for the man to take all of these and begin to walk it out over the earth so this 2012 is the year the man comes forth and we need to begin to ask for the nations Amen. ask in the spirit because the holy spirit is going to release people to go to the nations you never thought would would be receiving so, godly wisdom is coming forth, but first, you've got to resolve the civil war within yourself. The gray matter is, is good, but it must be the slave. And it has enslaved the things of the Spirit. And it's forced the Spirit, our conscious, to do things that sometimes we know is wrong. It's time that we let our conscience be our guide. And the remnant is coming forth. First, it's just going to be a remnant. It's going to be Isaiah eleven eleven again. And he's been speaking this to us uh, since 99. A remnant coming forth. Well, a remnant are uh, going to be guides for the rest of the body of Christ. Once you begin to walk that spirit trail and you begin to obey the things of God, instead of there being one Jesus down here, there'll be uh, uh, thousands. And there'll be
0: thousands of Jesuses running around. Really? Uh-huh. I thought there was
2: only one King of Kings and Lord of Lords. ...to do the things that he did, and they'll only be called to do that which they hear here and have trained their mind to proclaim it. Now, you still need to train the mind, for a a slave needs to know how to please the master. So there's a real need to get into the Word, and to know the Word. But it is still law.
0: Notice what he said. There's a need to know the Word and get into the Word, but... Yeah, but that kind of erases what he just said.
2: Until you hear from the Spirit.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's just law until you hear from the Spirit
2: internally. Oh. The religious spirit, which is legalism, opinion, debate, judgment, and criticism, is coming... Yeah, the religious spirit. Apparently I have that in spades, you know, because I'm critiquing what he's saying according to God's Word. Um. And in its place will be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. God's government is coming up. And this is the year it begins. And this is going to be a year of the best of times for those who walk this way. And the worst of the times is trying to figure out what to do. So you don't have to figure out anything. You're not going to be able to. He's waiting for sons and daughters to talk to him so he can reveal the future to you. One of the first things he'll tell you is quit looking back. You don't have any past. Look to today and tomorrow. Your past has got you, rejoice in your past because he's got you where you are today. But look to what he says for you to do today. If he's not telling you to do anything, you've got a day off. But if he begins to impress you to do some things, then be quick to hear and quick to obey as a slave would to a master. Now I'll tell you something about this love slave. You know who the closest to the master is? The love slave. He's right there next to him. The love slave is just sometimes just watching the master's eyes. And the Master's eyes will tell him exactly what to do. The Master's hand will tell him what to do. He can feel what's in the Master's heart. And he goes and does it. It's a time that we begin to move in the Holy Spirit of God. It's time that, that we learn from the Apostle Paul. The most brilliant man, probably in Scripture. But he couldn't do it on his own. He had to go in the desert and lose his mind to find it.
0: Where does it say Paul went in the desert and lost his mind? Not familiar with that account from the Apostle Paul's life.
2: We're getting ready for our minds to be blowed and become a gold mine. Once you become a gold mine, whatever is needed, whatever counsel is there in you, really, The Holy Spirit is in you. How many gifts in Him? The same amount of gifts that's in Him, and when you got Him, it's in you. So, if you're going to ask for gifts, ask for all of them. But right now, what we need the most is the Word of Wisdom. And it's going to come, it's already coming. And the signs and the wonders. I saw some things recently. There's great joy in heaven right now. Because the Father has whispered a thing into the Son's ear. And Jesus don't keep secrets. You may not understand that, but he doesn't keep secrets. He's told everybody... Yeah, where'd you learn that from? Heaven, what's getting ready to happen. And heaven's getting ready to touch earth. And he's told them, I'm getting ready to do some of the greatest healings you've ever seen. Yeah. I'm getting ready to release the word of knowledge in a way. It sounds
0: to me like the demonic forces are getting ready to unleash all kinds of signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect.
2: Read Matthew 24. Never seen before. But I'm also getting ready to release the word of wisdom where you don't get sick anymore. Where you know what to do, where you know where to do it. Wisdom is on our way. I believe it has started. On the 7th and 8th is the Day of Atonement. We're in the time of trumpets right now, or in the days of awe. And I've always been, I've been taught from the very beginning to follow my daddy's calendar and the Jews claim it theirs, but it isn't, it's in, it's in, it's in the heavens. And the signal fires are burning on the mountains right now saying, come back to Christ, come back to Him, come back to Him in the Spirit, come back and let the Holy Spirit speak into your spirit man. Let the Holy Spirit reveal into your conscience where you're missing God at. So one of the next things I believe is getting ready to take place is repentance on a scale like you've never known before. And it's going to be the very best that's going to be the repenting. Because we've been letting the gray rain over the blue.
0: We're going yeah, we've been letting our brains get in the way of, you know, the Spirit. Yeah, it's just terrible. Again, totally blasphemous. This is not what God's Word teaches. And the reason why people are hanging on every word is because they think this guy's got direct revelation from God.
2: No, he doesn't. need to give up the authority of the grave and let the Holy Spirit become Lord that reveals us because he's part of the Lord. He's the only God down here. And that's what He's calling us to. That we would come and begin to obey Him. You don't lose any battles then. And you're sure not going to lose any war. I believe we're in a key time in history. And this preparation of the man going forth is the beginning of the harvest. I believe that this is a year that the harvest begins, and I don't know what extent, but I do know this. It's going to really escalate by the year uh, 2015.
0: Yeah, the escalation of the harvest. Yeah, we're just about finished with 2015 here. I don't see any harvest escalations going on. I need to search the internet for harvest escalations. I haven't seen it, though. If you've seen any harvest escalations, let me know. I mean, send me a link.
2: And I know that what he's talking about in this one harvest, he's talking about over a billion youth is getting ready to come in.
0: Over a billion youth are going to come in in the harvest season, escalating in 2015. Any news about billion youth coming to Christ?
2: They'll only come in to where wisdom dwells. Wisdom is looking for a place to move in down here now. And she's coming down here to take over the Father's business. And where wisdom is reigning over the Father's business, you're talking big numbers. And we're also talking about going worldwide. So this is a year that our feet should be prepared, shot with the preparation of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit would direct our feet Into the places he wants us to walk. And would begin to reveal the true hope to people that have none. Those that's dependent on the gray matter, what's getting ready to take place? They'll not have the answers. You'll have the answer. They're going to be hopeless. Brokenness without understanding brings hopelessness. Brokenness with understanding brings hopefulness. So what I'm trying to say to you, get ready to get broken here. That the mind surrenders and obeys what the Holy Spirit is saying for you to do in here. And it's going to bring a fullness. And those out there that have no hope... They don't realize it, but you're their hope. The mind without an anchor in these coming days is going to be insanity. But a mind with an anchor of hope is like a ship that goes out to sea when a hurricane's coming. They let that anchor down, and the anchor just lifts it up and down over the waves. But if it stays ashore, then the hurricane will just take destroy it. And there's all kind of perfect storms headed our way. I mean, they'd be telling you that it's all over. Well, then it's not all over. The shaking is yet to come. And what he wants to do is shake the devil out of the church to where the Holy Spirit reigns over it. And when the rain, Holy Spirit reigns over you, there's not going to be anything to reach out and grab you. Because that wisdom is going to have you in a place of protection and a place of hope. Hope is a confident expectation in God that will not be uh, 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 let loose. The anchor will hold. So we need to anchor our soul, tie it down, and really let our spirit man go, our conscience. And let the Holy Spirit reveal the heart of the Father in us. And we need to go before shedding the love of God, shed it abroad into people's hearts. Amen. So it is it is a different season. I've known for many years that two thousand and twelve was a time to live for. So you in the church, get ready for what you've waited for. For you, it's the best of times. You're not gonna starve. I mean, Scripture says that. You're not going to be blown away. This nation is going to be humbled. It uh, it even could come to a place if it stays in disobedience towards a third nation power. But if it does, we'll do what we're called to do. This nation is found on God. On the rock. We'll always...
0: No, actually, it was founded on the Constitution, and the writers of the Constitution, some of them were Christians, and a lot of them were deists. Yeah.
2: Come back to the rock. It's time that we fall on that rock again and let that salvation work in us. It's a time of brokenness. So what's going on first is the church has been come into a time of brokenness, so it can be brought into a time of fullness. Get ready for the fullness to begin this year. Seek wisdom. Knock on her door. Amen. And you will find her. It begins with being awed by God. So what exactly is the application
0: of this direct revelation? Not exactly sure, except for turn off my mind and make it the love slave of the Spirit, you know.
2: Or the fear of the Lord. Or better, let's say, you let your conscience tell you what to do. Your conscience does guide you. It is a a part of the Father's heart that's in you. And you know when you're doing right, and you know when you're doing wrong. So what you've done wrong, repent of, so that what you can do, what's right get ready to be led and worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And subdue the gray matter to slavery.
0: Subdue that gray matter, yeah, get to it,
2: yeah. And the blue to the Master.
10: I have one thing just real quick, and this is... Something the Lord showed me ten. Uh, this
0: is the wife of Bob Jones. Years ago, that's when
10: he began with I think
0: me. Her name is Bonnie.
10: I think this will maybe help you with your civil war within you. But he would have me begin by saying, "I submit my soul to my spirit." So I'm bringing my soul into submission to my spirit, and then surrender my spirit to the Holy Spirit. So I I did that, and then I would ask the Lord, show me what there is in me that's not of you. Because I want all things that are of God, but I don't want anything that's not of Him. So that was like a process He was taking me through. And I believe what He's calling us to do by surrendering our soul to our spirit and then giving our spirit to the Holy Spirit is like Jesus when He came to Gethsemane. It's that place of repentance. And when we repent, we need to turn from it. That's why, you know, if God would have showed me everything that was wrong in me at once, I would have, you know, shriveled up and collapsed, I guess. So as He shows us, as He would show me, I began to, you know, give that over to Him then repent of it. He was showing me those things in me that were not of Him. He He is a holy God. He wants a holy bride. And we can't enter into that fullness of Him.
0: Yeah, and He cleanses us through the washing of water with the Word and makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. Wow.
10: With all the stuff in us that we still have. So that was kind of like, that's just a, a little nugget of how the Lord really began to show me. And if it's going to help you, you know, it's a time, you know, we have to lay those foolish things aside and walk with the Lord.
3: I have uh, just one thing to add before we close. Um, The Lord showed me one time that we were coming to a place of surrender. And um, the way He showed me this was um, He showed me Abraham. And Abraham in Genesis 22 uh, went up to Mount Moriah with Isaac. And he was going to offer back to God his own promised son. He was going to give up to God what he thought God was doing in him. And when he was willing to do this and he put his son on the altar, that was the final straw that God was looking for. He was looking for ultimate surrender. And as he ultimately surrendered, you know where he was, was Mount Moriah. And the word Moriah means... God looks down and He gazes. And when Bob's talking and Bonnie's talking about this place of surrender, it's like we know what we need to do and God's looking to see how we react. And so this year is God peeking over the balcony of heaven watching to see what we're going to do if we're really going to surrender. But here's... What impacted me so much about this place of surrender is that ultimately, when Abraham was willing to surrender, it was then that God said, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless you and your children and all your descendants. And there comes this place in all of us where God's asking ultimately, are we going to give everything? This ultimate place of surrender. And when we're finally willing to do that, then God said, I don't need that. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. And This is utter
0: nonsense and a total twisting of Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is not about you. It's about Christ. Go back and listen to Roseboro's ramblings through Genesis on Genesis 22. It is a dress rehearsal for the crucifixion of Jesus our
3: Lord. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. And on you and your descendants. And as a father, what more could you want than for what you do to overflow down to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children? And so this is a year of great opportunity for us. If, this, if we're coming to this place that there's there's this war inside of us, let's willingly surrender it to God and then watch what God will do.
2: Just one other thing I wanted to share with you that's come recently. Bonnie and I were asked to pray for a person. And the Lord gave me a dream for the man. We didn't meet the man. We were asked to pray for him.
10: We had a photograph to look at. That was it.
2: And I had a dream. And what this man was going to do would bear fruit in 50 years. People would be saved 50 years from now. People would be saved 100 years from now. And what this man was going to do was give many, many million dollars to build, a, to buy land and build a church. And he was a very wealthy person, but he was wondering if he was doing the right thing. And that word was, "You are," because people will be—they'll be saved fifty years from now in that church. A hundred years from now, that church will still be here. I think we've lost view of the eternal church. What you're doing now, in 50 years, your breakthrough that's coming this year, 50 years will be normal Christianity. The church is going to keep going. And God loves the church, and the church is going to win. So if this man's gift is going to be there bringing fruit and testimony to His name 50 years from now and 100 years from now, what we're doing now and the breakthrough that comes now will take place, as He said, in your children, 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 children. So I believe we're in a very, very key time now. And it's a time that we seek Him. So if there's anything I would say to you, seek Him. Find out what He wants you to do. Don't let men tell you what to do. Let the Holy Spirit of God tell you what to do. And the first thing He'll tell you, worship Him in spirit. So He can reveal the truth to you. And truth will be your guide. So we are in a very key time. But I think we're in one of the greatest seasons it's ever been. Some are going to shake that don't know Christ. But you that do know Him, you're going to be shaken to where you can come right to Him.
3: Amen. Amen. Before we go, I'm going to pray. Um, this This is what we're hearing in my judgment is a word for 2012 for us about surrender. And um, so much can be accomplished when we yield to what the Lord is asking. And for some of us, it may be like Abraham. Are you willing to surrender not only your dream, but my dream for you? And when you're willing to put that on the altar, who knows what God will do?
0: What a bunch of nonsense. When you're willing to surrender your dream, put it on the altar, then you'll never know what God... Yeah, total twisting of Genesis 22. This whole
3: sermon is just utterly creepy. So, uh, as we get ready to dismiss, why don't we all stand up? I'm going to pray that the Lord...
0: And normally I don't play prayers from heretics like this, but again, I'm going to break my rule. You need to hear this.
3: ...would accomplish in us this year through surrender what he could not... Uh, accomplished through a thousand years of our own efforts. So father we lift this we lift this whole idea of surrender before your throne today. Father, we want to be found willing and obedient. Lord, we want this year 2012 as we're entering into this new year for it to be the most fruitful year you've ever had in our lives. And Father, we do pray that this would be a year where we surrender our own ideas, our own thoughts, and our own will, mind, and emotion. We surrender all of that to you on this altar of sacrifice. Lord, we ask and we give you permission for you to have your way in our lives in this coming year. We yield once again to you. Let your will be done in our life as it is in heaven. Lord
0: let Yeah, wow. This is unbelievable.
3: This be the most fruitful year, the the greatest year of yielding to your heart, mind, and your will and your emotion that we've ever had. And so Lord, we we see what's coming, we understand what you're asking. And we yield it to you. We say, Let your will be done in our lives, in the lives of our families, and in this congregation. Let it be established that your will was done, and this was the beginning of it. For this,
0: yeah, the beginning of you, you know basically taking slavery over your mind to make it the slave of the Spirit, yeah.
3: New year, this 2012 New Year. Lord, we thank you for Bob and Bonnie. We pray a hedge of protection around them.
0: Yeah, you know how impenetrable those hedges can be.
3: Lord, we pray for divine health for them. We pray for continued years of fruitfulness, blessing, financial increase, strength and health. And Lord, we pray that you would even open new doors of ministry. And God, the friendship that this man has had with you in the days gone by, that a deposit of that would be left in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Done. Wow. Yeah, that was utterly creepy. Um, yeah, uh, preaching a direct revelation, uh, a so-called direct revelation, and putting it on par with Scripture, and basically getting your marching orders not from the Bible, but from a man claiming to be a prophet of God, and the stuff he's saying, just totally twisting God's Word, and doctrines nowhere taught in God's Word. Very fascinating. So we've heard the so-called prophecy regarding the new breed. We've seen that Todd Bentley was uh, supposedly a manifestation of the new breed and had the charismatic elite declare him to be part of the new breed to the charismatic uh, masses. Uh, Matt Sorger claiming to be part of the new breed and praying for the new breed, and then concurrent with that, the prophecy regarding the uh, blue and the gray um You know, civil war within Christianity, the gray being your brain, and that's the rebel, and the blue being the, hmm, yeah. All of this stuff coming outside of the scripture, and the untold damage it has done to God's church is beyond measure at this point. Only God can measure the damage. These are doctrines of demons. These people are not doing the will of God or the work of God, nor revealing what God's will is for Christians. They are taking Christians off you know, off of mission and replacing the Bible as the sufficient, inspired, authoritative word of God and laying alongside of it so-called direct revelations that are not coming from God. They're either coming from these men's corrupt hearts or from the demonic realm itself.